being afraid. It's our time to just say, you know what, Lord, you are in control. It is our time, and I love this song by Kelly Price. It is my motivation. It is a song. It's my go-to song when I just need that extra oomph. It is. It is just. I, I just. I just love that song. It's, it's so beautifully written. It's uh, beautifully uh, choreographed, and and uh, the lyrics are amazing. The sound. Everything is just beautiful. Well, it is that time today. We are. So excited to have with us Apostle Glenda. Uh, Apostle Glenda, I am excited that you are here. You're on. Um, feel free to greet the listeners. Uh, Apostle, you have the floor right now. Feel free to greet the listeners. Well, we're excited for the opportunity to even be on your broadcast today, woman of God, which we know we love you so very much. And I consider it an honor and a privilege to just share some things that God allowed me to go through in these 57 years I've been on this earth. So I'm just excited and hopefully I can enlighten and even help somebody even during this broadcast. Good morning. 
Amen. So, uh, to those who are listening, um, as you all know, uh, Apostle uh, Glinda is a woman of, who wears many hats. Uh, she wears many hats uh, in, the, in the secular industry, and she also wears many hats in the kingdom here on earth. The reason for this show today is uh, I, I had the opportunity to um, sit with her and uh, we talked and she shared her, her many uh, great um, ministries and things that she's working on. And we decided, you know what, you need to come on the show. The world needs to hear this. We need to broadcast this. We need to get this testimony throughout the world. We, we, want, we want deliverance. We need deliverance. And um, we decided to do the show today. Uh, Linda, before we even get started, my first question to you is, what was your inspiration to even say, to even say, you know what, this is what I believe the Lord is calling me to do. I'm going to go for it. What inspired you? Well, truthfully, um, it was, it was just, it was just ironic. I mean, because, um, people, a lot of times when they go through their trials, their tribulations, the one thing that is a such a such a stamina in the black community or any community is that when things happen to you, we have this don't talk, don't tell mentality. And and it, and for years and even now, a lot of people that have gone through so many things in their lives and they're not knowing that the power of your words and the power of speaking can actually free not just yourselves, but others. So as I got a little older, not, you know, looking at everything then, I just decided one day I just sat with a woman of God and I just talked to her because I felt like I was just about to implode. But I began to just share with her the things that happened to me throughout my life. And, and, you know, we, we try not to be angry about it, but when an unlawful entry takes place in a person's life, especially at a young age, we do have anger, but we do know that the power of speaking can break so many things. That's why, that's why it said, speak the word in season and out of season, because it will shatter things that people don't, can't even spiritually or naturally see what's going on. So as I began to seek God face or what I like to say, becoming a full-fledged God chaser, that's when I started just telling people, you know, what was going on with me. I mean, I wasn't brought, you know, you're, 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 you're a 30 some year old black woman in Arkansas that's gone through so many things and it had to be more too because I know God don't allow things to happen in your life haphazardly. That there's a purpose behind any and everything that goes on. That's kind of the beginning of it.
but we also know that a lot of things that happen in our lives also can be a way to keep us bound. And I'll just start from the beginning. Um, I got introduced to sex at five years old. And I, it was a family member. And they threatened me. They said, I'm going to hurt you if you say anything. But the little girl in me went straight to my dad. And I told him, in, in fact, there was proof of it because I had on like a white dress, white tights, and there were blood running down my legs. And so when I told him that, my dad, I thought my dad was going to really hurt him. But he didn't. He just told him that he would pay for what he did. And then I think that was my first experience of seeing what a spoken word can do. Because a few months later, there was a terrible tornado in that area. And it tore up their house. And he wound up drowning in a ditch that was right beside their home. And that's what kind of, at the beginning of it, you know, seeing that I thought I did something wrong even then. And that's what a lot of people that go through types of abuse, especially as a child, that's why I call it an unlawful entry. Because it an unlawful entry is simply someone without permission taking advantage of, of a child or an adult without their permission. So when you have kids going through these things, a child is not giving an adult or anybody else permission to touch them. So this is why God has began to teach me about these things, looking at the signs of everything, looking at different clues of if or when you think a child is being touched or, or things like that, because I had to walk it out my own self. And I know how a lot of kids feel, especially when you have a family member doing it, and then the family member have them so believing that she's lying or he's lying. They didn't do anything like that. They're just lying. They're just doing this and this and this. These are things that a lot of adults had to deal with as a child and not getting free from it. It caused different things to happen in their, not just their natural bodies, but in their spiritual bodies, um, Pastor Nadia and that's one of the things, one of the key things why even now I try to be as vocal as I possibly can for people that have gone through these things. And especially when you're living in the South or we call it the Delta area, we have this don't talk, don't tell mentality. And we keep that mentality. And that mentality is really is what's actually hurting us. So that's kind of the beginning of when God started walking me through it bit by bit. And like I tell people, you know, I'm, I'm nobody special, but I just decided that everything I went through and even the horrendous things. And I just felt like after I reached the age of 30, I was like, OK, God, we really need to begin to see what's going on and why. Because it had begun, some things you just don't know growing up, but as it became more right. 
visible. It became more visible in the world. It was like they had no type of remorse. They're doing these things. For example, you have a, a group that's called NAMBLA, which is the National Alliance of Men Boy Lovers Association. You literally have grown men introducing young boys to homosexuality acts. But they say it's okay. And these are the and things. The, and, and, and what's the, what is the name of, what is the name of this uh, organization, I guess I, I would call it? It's, it's called NAMBLA. It's N-A-M-B-L-A. The National Alliance of Men Boy Lovers Association. And it is a national, it is national. And wow, and 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 uh, learning about, learn, finding out about this, Apostle. Um, how how do or how how did you uh, find out about this? And and are there are there any what what are we supposed? What should we look out for? Especially those those of us who are in ministry, who are uh, putting people. key things that a person need to um, look for is withdrawal. If you see a child and just say you see a child as active, happy going, having fun, playing a normal child life, and then of sudden the child become withdrawn, she becomes sad and or he. And, and those are some of the key things because when I repeat it again, when an unlawful entry take place in, in a person, male or female, the thing is when it's a manipulating control spirit and a lot of the kids that go through, I'll use myself. When, when I was going through it, I was threatened to get beat. I was threatened and I'm, I'm just threatened. It happened. And just, you know, just to keep you under subjection to that person or to that demon, because most people really don't understand if you have a molester or a pedophile, that person is usually have been molested. It's like, just like he said, things, and it's just, it's, it's so horrific. That's why we have to be more open about these things because we have so many wounded people, not just in the world, but in the body of Christ. And, and as I began to, when God just decided to, I need you to speak this thing. I need you to be free to talk about it. So some other people, and I'm talking adults can feel like they're not by themselves. We have so many hurt people and I'm just not just the world, but in the church. 
And we already know if you do not stop the infection, infection can spread. So when you have a hurt person in the body of Christ and they're ministering to people, laying on the hands, that is a spiritual infection because first and foremost, that person is hurting and really don't want anybody to know what happened to them because of the embarrassment or the humiliation of this thing. And this is the stuff that we have to, we, now we are more talking to our kids in this day and age. Cause at first when we were younger, when, like I said, I was born in 1963. So a lot of the things that went on in our childhood, it was like what goes on in this house stays in this house. So we didn't have the opportunity to cry out for help. We didn't have the opportunity to talk to someone. I actually did not begin to share some of the things that I went through. I was actually about the age of 17 when I just began to get, I was angry. That's when a spirit of anger just took over. I just didn't care then. But you look at kids that have been hurt for so many years and and you try to, you know something's going on, but because of the mentality, and I'll keep saying it like this, the mentality of the black community then. They didn't have the freedom or they didn't have the comfort to do or to speak because it was so taboo, even though it's been going on since the beginning of time. But community especially, it was like, don't nobody need to know what you're doing. Don't nobody need to know what's going on in here. And, and this is out of just being unlearned because whatever. Yeah, it's, it's just clear. No, I was going to say, and, and, you know, you're, you're definitely uh, touching on some key points because uh, growing up, growing up in the, uh, in, in the church, of course, for me, I grew up in the church, uh, our parents, and I remember even some of the uh, elders at our church were very big on, don't go to the bathroom by yourself, and she, and she has to go with you, and she should go with you, and you know, they, they weren't, they, they did not allow us to have sleepovers and, you know, they, they just, there's certain things they just did not allow, even, even up to this, to this day, they still very big on boys and girls should not sleep in the same bed and little, and, and, you know, things that look so, uh, small to us, it's like, whoa, we didn't know it can get to that, to that level. And I know with, with your testimony and, uh, with, with you, uh, having these horrific, horrific trauma done to you, and for you today to, to for, for you to, to realize and say, wait a second, greater is He that is in me <laughs> than He that is in the world. Now, God, use what I've experienced. Now, use it for Your glory. Yeah. How did that? I want you to explain to the listeners how did that deliverance, transformation, renewing of the mind, giving your body over as a living sacrifice, understanding, forgiving the the abuse, the the, the one who abused you, getting over it, uh, moving forward. How did what was the first day like when you felt the baptism? 
oh my God. And I can truly say it happened. It actually truly happened in, um, I would say 1997. And when, 1997. And I was um, actually, now, go on. I am so sorry. Now, this is 1997 I had already gone through a lot of things and I'll back up a little bit um like I said five to seven years old I was you know abused by family members and then it kind of subsided then when I became a teenager at that age I would say about 13 and you're doing what kids normally do you know I'm in the south we play kickball we played softball we ran around you know we were kids and this one particular day, we came from a, a kickball game, and I was on my way home. And the three men that were standing on the corner, anybody that's from the South, you know that a lot of the older men standing in front of the juke joints, drinking and things like that. So that was a, one of those places on the street that I had to go down when I was going home. And they were saying things to me under their breath and, you know, things like that. I didn't like, you know, I didn't like it, so... I'm still walking. I'm got, I got a stick and a bat and stuff in my hand. I'm going on. So these men decided they wanted to jump in a car. And they, had, you know, headed me off. And then they were saying, um, uh, it's time for you to learn that what you're supposed to do as a woman. And they, they're grabbing me and I'm swinging this stick and stuff, hitting them and all this other stuff. And these were, this is like three grown men. And I'm 13. And they decided they hit me. They threw me down, drug me in the back of a house where there was a cornfield and mud and all this stuff. And each, they just began to, to rape me. And, and I mean, anything they th thought they wanted to do to my body, they did it. And I'm, I literally saw my, myself. I extended because I could see what they were doing to me. And even at the age of 13, I was telling guys, like, kill me now. Kill me now. I can't, I can't do this anymore. And so after they finished urinating on me the whole nine, um, I, I just kind of got up and I limped home. And my mom was sitting in the front room when I got there and she gave me this look. And then she just said it. What have you done this time? And I'm standing there and I mean, that was that was like a truly 
gut punch to my stomach because I'm not doing anything wrong. These men has violated me. But she just said at the time, what have I done? That's why I thank God for my dad. My dad was is, is my hero. He literally looked at me, wrapped me up, threw me in the truck, drove me to the hospital. And they asked me the different questions and things of who did what. I told it. And they all got arrested. But then the families of these men, they were mad at me because they said I brought that on my own. What child? What child? What child in their yeah. most in anything would cause three grown men to cons to do an unlawful entry on a on a child or a teenager? But because of the way that little towns and societies are, I got ridiculed. I got called every man every name under the sun, and and I had to endure not just the physical abuse now i'm dealing with the the mental and the psychological and grown people i mean in grown people in their 60s calling me all these names fast this and and, and oh hot this and da 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 but they they weren't even realizing what was really happening because in their eyesight i just took away i took away their family member or i i messed their households up and so I'm still in this town, people looking at me sideways and everything else. But at that time, I just got a mentality like, it is what it is. So I just took everything that happened to me and just decided to do it myself. And one of the other things about when a child or a teenager is being sexually or even <coughs> psychologically abused, if they're careful, they'll become an abuser. So at this time, for myself, it was self-mutilation. I didn't care. Bring them. Bring it on. Oh, you want this? Okay. You want that? Okay. Because I was at a place now that my entire existence, from that incident to 17 years old, I was numb. I was the walking dead. You were numb. So, so it, it's more so like you were... Physical trauma. I would think your first reaction would probably be, 
oh God, it's, it's a man, I'm going to run. Because you walked in and the first thing you hear from your mother is, what did you do this time? Right. What did you get yourself into this time? How did you, <laughs> how, how, when, did, when did God speak to you? Because right here, there, there are, there, you, you know, in, 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 your, in your testimony, there's so many events happening all at once. Right. And your mom dismisses you, your father takes you up take you to the hospital, you're being questioned and then the entire time, the entire town is ridiculing you and yet you still have to walk, you still gotta go to school, you still gotta get up every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did you hear the voice of God? When did your deliverance actually happen? Oh, wow. But let me say this real quick. Let me inject this. The three men that raped me were deacons at the church I attended. They are they were they were deacons at the church I was attending at that time. It was a Baptist church at my hometown, and they were deacons at that, at that church. But after everything else, after that, and I wound up becoming a, a pregnant at the age of 17, um, God told me he loved me, and I really believed it, and he was going to the military after graduation. Long story short, I got pregnant. I had the baby. He went to Germany. He married a German. So now I'm getting all these things built up. But when the actual beginning of God dealing with me, it was, I want to say, 1985, 1985, because I was going to one church, but my own, my sister, she was like, well, why don't you come to this church? And it was the church of God in Christ. And when I got there, and I'm not knowing, I'm not dressed, you know, I don't understand. So, you know, the makeup, the hair, all this kind of stuff. And for whatever reason, the church mother at that church, she saw me. And she just, just looked at me. She said, baby, you lucky just to have a mind. Let's long be alive. She said, God want to do some awesome things with you. And so they began to... And and I was, you know, the name of the church is Harvest Time Church of God in Christ. And at the time, my the pastor at that time is was the late superintendent Jasper Jackson Jr. And this is when I got my walk to begin to uh, study the Word of God. When they they helped me out, they would give me time to come to the church, even to a point where I was so broken, and I'm I'm like going through all this. But they took their time. They they taught me the Word. They taught me everything that had taken place in my life. And they kept telling me that this was going to be used. I was going to be used by what I have. Every bit of the trauma I went through, I was going to be used. And I was going to help other people to go through and to help them go through their traumatic (coughs) issues. And so from 1986, I'm beginning to just get God's word on the inside of me. Now, at this time, I must, this was my first husband and I got married to him in 1985 and immediately, beg your pardon? I'm sorry, that's the technical part of this beautiful show today. You can continue, I'm sorry. It's okay. But, but like I said, it's, it was a lot of things I went through when I got with the dealing with the sexual abuse. And then even when I married my husband, 
and he gave me, and I truly say, I thank God he gave me two. I already had one beautiful son, which you all probably know, Elder Treadwell. And then when I married my husband, he gave me two beautiful kids, but I didn't know that I was coming out of one abuse and going into another. This is when the physical abuse took place. And this is like 1986, 87 to about 89, 1990. He was beating me. He was, you know, verbally abusing me. He cracked my ribs. You know, physical abuse is physical abuse. And I still stayed there because I was broken. And in the back of my head, not knowing at the time this was the devil, saying, nobody else wants you. You stay where you at. And nobody else going to even want to be with somebody like you. So see, not even knowing that I was being tormented by the devil. I just thought, this is what I deserve. All this stuff has happened to me and nobody wants to, who, who wants a broken, a broken woman that has been, has got introduced to sex by rape and molestation. Then you become promiscuous behind it because this is what you've got in your mind. You begin to use your body, not as a sacrifice, like it says in Romans 12, but you're using your body as an instrument to get back at people. And this is one of the other keys. When you're a young female and you are already broken, you already see people don't care. They don't care if you live or die. So what do you do? Oh, I'm going to help you. So I'm going to go out here and I'm going to sleep with guys and I'm going to drink. I'm going to smoke. I'm going to do whatever I got. I'm going to do what I want to do. Because it seemed like the world didn't care. So why should I? And this is one of the key things that people need to understand. Abuse is abuse. Whether it's physical, mental, emotional, sexual. It's abuse. And it all has to be dealt with. And like I said again, in most communities, they have that don't talk, don't tell mentality. What goes on in this house stays in this house. And there are so many people out here, even to this present day, that has not had or having an opportunity to express the hurt and the anguish they've gone through in their life. Instead, they pack it away. They implode it until something triggers it. And, and I, I know, I know with, um, with the abuse ministry, I know the Lord has also given you such a dynamic, dynamic ministry, and um, I I was truly blessed when I uh, did my research about the ministry and the, the way you have taken all of your experiences. Some people would have, an, would have experiences like this, and, and unfortunately, when you don't know the Lord, you don't, some of us just don't know how to come out of certain things. Right. Some of us enjoy being sad and depressed, and it's, I hate to use the word enjoy, and I, 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 I don't say that to be uh, disrespectful or heartless to anyone, but it, it, sometimes it is a comfortable, a comfortable place mm-hmm. when, um, when, when trauma happens, and many don't know how to come out. Exactly. And for you to, to, to be on Live with Nadia yesterday, uh, sharing your testimony, sharing the experience, and, and, and also helping many of us 
understand because as leaders, as pastors, as people who are leading a people who pray over a people who is believing God for breakthroughs and deliverance for people, a lot of the time we don't know we we, we don't know what is the true root right. of a person speaking in such a way or dressing like this or being being so aggressive for no apparent reason. Sometimes mm-hmm. we just don't know the root. And I thank God for you, Apostle, because the Lord has allowed you to go through this and he's trusted you to go through it. And going through it, you I believe you, you have passed the the, the, the course because now what you do is you have turned all of your experiences into ministry. And uh, to my listeners, uh, Papa Glenda uh, resides in Arkansas, and uh, this, this she is on the line from Arkansas, and uh, she is also she's also the uh, founder. If you if you may, Apostle, I'm sorry, the uh, founder. You can uh, go ahead and share uh, the deliverance ministry with our listeners. Okay. Um, well, the very first um, deliverance ministry God gave me, which is it was called Damaged But Not Destroyed. And he allowed me to found this in 1998. This is when I truly, truly wanted to be free. And so even with you saying or what you said previously, my goal through chapter in scriptures was Romans 12. Those words, that was the scripture that the Lord gave me as far as the process of healing. And it said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living yes. sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God began to take the things that was in my mind that he shut down because God would not allow you to go through some things in a, in a mental place where you can't deal with it. So a lot of doors got closed. So I wouldn't do any more harm, not just to myself, to someone else. And so as I began to tell, as I began to tell people what happened to me, how I began to share what God has brought me out of. I mean, even to the point where I met another man. And he was a prophet, you know, the Gibson calling without repentance. You know, he operated in the gifts of a prophet. And so long story short, I married him. And this is something else that a lot of people won't even understand about generational curses. Now, everything that I was going through, I went through, and I'm being healed in the process. My husband at that time molested my only daughter. She was six years old. He molested her. And when we found out about it, we tried to do everything. He was so diabolical that he was threatening her and he would tell her to say, he didn't do it. He didn't touch her. And, and, and you're, saying, you're saying to us that in the process of you reading Romans 12, you know, renew your body, give your body unto the Lord as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. And you're receiving deliverance. Your mind 
mind is being renewed, the mind is being circumcised, you're getting closer to God, you marry, you marry a new man. And now, what happened to you, how many years back, the man you married just did this to your six-year-old baby? Yes. Yes. My Lord. And what happened, what happened in, now, the process of you being delivered, what was, okay, does the deliver, what happened? Did the deliverance take a, a, a step back? Did you, did you kind of pause and look up to God and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Right. <laughs> did you allow to happen, God? Like, what, what was it? Because I, I, I can't even fathom. <laughs> and see that, and, and exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And see this too. And then he's having her lying and I divorced him. I divorced him and, and my daughter and my kids, we went on and we, you know, got ourselves together, but he was still pulling strings. When I say this was a full fledged warlock, I mean what I say, but at that time I didn't know it because I was not concrete in the word of God. I was in the process of getting healed. So now I get the divorce He's steady pulling strings. She's telling me that he didn't do it. I remarry him. And when I remarried him, and as God began to truly free me, and I thank God for a, a woman named Ernestine Thomas. She was the pastor of a church called Setting the Captives Free. And I went to that church. I began to go to that church. And then that's when I found the secret to true deliverance. Through God's word and through the spirit of God. And as I'm getting free, I'm also trying to help my daughter that has gone through an unlawful act. That has had an unlawful entry done to her by someone that I thought I could trust. And found out that he was an assignment from the enemy from the jump. Because he was trying not to just destroy me, but to destroy my seed. So this is why I say a lot of times, don't, you know, people will look at somebody wrong when they did this and... You have no idea what a person is going through when they've gone through such trials, such tribulation. And when people began, well, he, 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 yes, because I didn't know any better at the time. But when I knew better, I did better. I just as quick as I married him, I divorced him again. So now I'm having to work on my salvation and my healing. Now I have to deal with my daughters. And so my daughter went through pretty much some of the same process. That I did, but she, and see, that's why I say people need to really know the story of a person before they judge them. Her out, her way to get out was drugs. Her out way was drugs and elusive sex. I didn't do the drugs like, but I did that. I understood what she was going through. I understood the hell she was living. I understood she wanted to take her own life. I understood all that because I wanted to do the same thing. I took so many pills one time. I thought I was, I was just ready to die. God just like, nope. And I threw up. He did her the exact same way. But even with all that. So, so it sounds, it sounds like, uh, Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, one, uh, uh, 
is when I was living in Stockton, California. And there was a man named uh, Chief Apostle K.L. Williams. He saw me and he decided, oh, I'm going to use you. I'm going to teach you the tools that what you need to do in the kingdom of heaven to wreck the kingdom of darkness. So I began to go to different seminars in Stockton, California. I began to listen to different mm-hmm. women that, that were, have gone through it. And, and I'm walking through these things and I'm, I'm understanding and, and I'm learning how to tell when a child is being violated or even being used. And a lot of people don't even understand how, how diabolical this stuff is. You have... You have everyday people that are looking at your kids, looking at your children, and they are sending pictures to these traffickers. They are looking. I'm talking even mail carriers because we had got a letter a few months back telling us that there were some mail carriers in the region that were literally taking pictures of your children and sending them to these diabolical traffickers. And the thing with the, the enemy did, the one thing that the people used to think they could go to for refuge was now the place that was one of the most diabolical places for sex trafficking, the church. And what place, and what place is this that we, we considered refuge? Are you referring to the church or what, the, what exactly? When, when, we, when we grow up, we think, you know, the church is the safe haven. The church and the pastor is the place that we can go to. We can run in and be safe. But then when you start getting these people that just out for filthy Lecrae, and when they began to, you know, you offering folks money. Like I said, every church that's on a corner is not a church of God. It can be a church of the devil. And a lot of them, and a lot of them are, are, are simply there to make a book. There have been preachers in the region, not just Arkansas, Texas, Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, Florida, that has been busted in Georgia. One of of a very known church in Atlanta, Georgia, was shut down because they had trafficked 20 
three brown children. And they got found brown out. Children. Brown children. Because the reason and, that... And, and, why, and why do you say brown children? What, what is that? What is, is that like the main... Is that the only type of... Is, what is it with brown children? Is it because of they don't get coverage if they go missing? Or exactly. uh, is it something that I've heard talk about? I've heard talk about old black people and their melanin. Mm -hmm. What, what is it exactly? Why do you say brown people? Because they do not bring attention. Just like you just said. <laughs> they, they can go missing. Nobody will care. They can be abused. Nobody care. They can be sold. Sold out. Nobody care. And I'm in an area, even since I've been here, a lot of the other kids, and, and this is something else people need to understand. Just because you may live in a certain area or in a certain status quo, you still need to be familiar with your surroundings because you never know who the enemy is using to watch your kids, abuse your kids, and everything else. The fact that most brown kids, you don't see them being on uh, television saying, or oh, Amber Alert, you don't do that. Every once in a while, you do, you will see it. But the most of those children, they don't, they don't, they don't have Amber Alerts. They don't have these things. But let it be someone of a fair complexion. Then they'll get the notice or the alerts that people need. But when it's a brown kid, and when I say brown, I'm talking from African American, Hispanic. Asian, Native Americans. There are Native American girls that are still missing that has been taken off their reservations. And I'm talking about New Mexico, Arizona, places like that. And Louisiana, uh, down in New Orleans, places like this, Atlanta, places like this. Any place where it's so, well, black kids or brown kids they do what they want to do anyway. They don't, you know, they, they don't get the publicity as a non-brown kid get. For example, I, the last couple of years, and after I really began to, because I work with the homeless, I, you know, I try to do whatever I can to bring them the food and the, you know, supplies they need to take care of themselves. And see, when this is another thing, a lot of people don't even realize that a lot of the people that you see out here in the world homeless are a victim of some type of abuse. And if you don't get it dealt with, that's where your mental abuse begin to come in. And and that's see, people understand there's such a such a core of all this stuff. And and the enemy will do whatever he can to make sure if you got a calling on your life from God, they're gonna make sure that you don't get to that place. I've I've had to deal with two deaths of kids that were missing. One young girl was named Angel. She was six years old. Beautiful. Her parent, her mother, her mother was from Mexico. They were, they were illegal immigrants. But she pimped her six-year-old daughter out. And I had to go and identify that body. They called me and they asked and, me to come. <laughs> and you, and you are... You are the uh, clergy or, or 
or you clergy or point of contact for for uh, Arkansas, the, the entire state of Arkansas, or is it just for your community it's, uh, specifically? It's, I'm just going to be honest, it's favor. It's favor from God. I mean, yes, I mean, I have... Wow. I have my um I have my license. Yes, I they know I am in the clergy, but the fact that I've worked with so many truck stops, so many other areas in the city, and, and I want to give a shout out to a man of God that taught me a lot when I got back to Arkansas, and his name was Kenneth Little John Sr. He began to show me stuff in different things, showing me different areas where I can look and see if there are kids out there jumping from trucks to trucks. So he began to show me a lot of that stuff. And then when I learned it and I got it down pat, a couple of police that when they did not have to work in that, they would be freelancing as security or whatever. And so we built a relationship. And then I told him about the things that I've done. And, and they say, well, you could get the people to help. I'm, I'm woman of God. I'm just blessed that God will allow me to do this. It's nothing about, um, none of that. I, it's the favor of God and it's the, it's the love of God that don't want these kids to be hurt, used or worse. Since, since night, since 20, 2020, I've had to find two bodies. One was the six year old Hispanic girl, which, I thank God for them. They called me and I got a chance to, to prepare her body. And they took her to Mexico. The other one was a rich Caucasian teenager. Her, her own dad shot her up with heroin and put her in a dumpster. He was wanting the money that she had. So instead of just using her like that, he just hooked her on drugs. And she OD'd. These are the things that that people. These are some these are some really shocking uh, things and sort and, and, and uh, information that we are getting from you, Apostle. Uh, to to our listeners, I, I I want to say thank you. You are tuned into live with Nadia. Uh, we are in the uh, we are in the half uh, part of our show. Um, I'm going to open up for questions. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I do ask that if, um, if uh, you have a question, feel free to unmute your phone and, and ask your questions. Um, Apostle is available. Uh, she, she is well informed with what uh, she is sharing with you all today. Uh, she, the Lord is definitely has been and is still using her, and I'm, I'm sure you know, so many have been touched by her testimony, her ministry. Um, I thank God for her deliverance ministry. I thank God for uh, um, her life and how she's helping so many, especially ministries, especially especially churches today, because so many do come into the house of God. Uh, some do come to get to know the Lord and want to get closer with God and, and experience his love, but some do come in to hide. Some come in to hide and to pretend, and it's actually a wolf in, in sheep's clothing. And and it's people like Apostle that that can teach your ministry, that can uh, edify your your leaders, your youth leaders. How to recognize when a, a child is being molested, when a child is being abused. Um, how, who to call? What is it? Only nine one one. Who else can we reach out to? Uh, how how do we? 
uh, rescue a, a child or an adult that, that's being abused? How do we do this? What, what do we do? Do we, is there a sign? Is there a signal? Is there a text message? Is there a kingdom amber alert? What do we do? And this is why the Lord has blessed us with Apostle Linda. She teaches these things. She, she will show you. She will uh, uh, inform, inform the people. And um, if you have any questions, ladies and gentlemen, feel free. Unmute your phone. And the floor is open. I, uh, we have about, uh, about five minutes for questions. Does anyone have a question? Thank you again for tuning in to Live with Nadia. And if you are muted, please unmute your phone. Feel free to ask any questions uh, regarding uh, what you just heard. Dynamic testimony. Amazing. Hello? Hi, I can hear you. Praise the Lord. Yes. Um, how you feeling, everybody? This was really, I'm still in shock and in awe. On the power and the grace and the mercy of God. But what I would like to ask the apostle is after a play of all of these things, um, oh man, I was just, <laughs> how do you have the grace and the mercy to still see? I know the grace of God, but with everything that's going on, um, what eventually occurred with these deacons? Did anything happen? Did they get arrested? I don't know if I heard that. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the young girl, Angel, when they uh, took her back to her home, we didn't realize that she was the niece of a Mexican mobster. So the people that violated her and when they sent them back to Mexico, they were shot down in Brownsville, Texas. And the and the young girl that uh, the rich young girl that they found in the dumpster, they arrested her father. They, they charged him with um, child abuse and then uh, drugs, and he stole money from her and everything else. So, yes, they they got dealt with. And even to a point, my ex-husband that molested my daughter, um, like I said, no, we made it known public. But, you know, due to the statute of limitation, you know, it couldn't be nothing did. But the one thing that my daughter and myself did, we made sure that the people knew who he was and what he did. And even what the words say, the words say, if you do something and you don't have enough in your heart to repent, he will turn you over to a reprobated mind. So see, God is still, God is still real and live and well on the throne. And a lot of times people are like, well, how can you go through this? Why would you? I do it because he did it for me. I could have been in prison. I could have been dead. I could have been a lot of things. But for whatever reason, God gave me bounce back. And I thank God for my dad. Because my dad would always tell me, he nicknamed me goat. And not the greatest of all time. Because I had such a cantankerous attitude about myself. I didn't, when, no one was going to beat me. So that's the tenacity that I know God himself put in me. Because when other people would have said, just put a bullet in their mouth and call it a day. No, God gave me that bounce.